Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation Layers Chart and Summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David, and in this video, I'm going to talk about the fulfillment of the second through the fifth seals of Revelation. And on my Revelation Timeline Decoded website, I have videos from other people that give you more detail. So I'm not going to repeat that and go through every single point, but I just want to give a summary to give you the big picture and uh, point out some amazing things about the fulfillment. In the first Seal Conquerors video, I showed you how the Roman Empire was conquering and the Cretan bowmen, emperors, rode on white horses in their victory parades and wore laurel wreath crowns. So we see the fulfillment of the first seal. And I showed you how Messiah's kingdom was also conquering in the Roman Empire by proclaiming the gospel and the power of the Spirit. Recall in Revelation 1.1 that Messiah said that these things would shortly take place. And in Revelation 1.3, he said that the time is at hand. So we would expect the fulfillment of the second seal to begin shortly after the first seal. So the first five Cretan emperors from 96 to 180. And it was a time of peace in the Roman Empire. It was a time of victory. And so that's going to change dramatically as it's going to be followed by a time of calamity. So Revelation 6, 4 says, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So we're looking for civil unrest, right? Peace was taken away of civil unrest in the empire during a time when the great sword would kill one another. So now we enter... Emperor Commodus, who ruled from 180 to 192. In the book called History of the Fall of the Roman Empire, Jean Charles documented this about that time. He said, With Commodus' death commenced the most calamitous period. It lasted 92 years from 193 to 284. During that time, 32 emperors and 27 pretenders to the empire alternately hurled each other from the throne by incessant civil warfare, right? So 92 years of almost incessant civil warfare in the Roman Empire. So we've switched from a time of conquering and peace to all these emperors being killed. Roman historian Edward Gibbon, who wrote the six-volume work called The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, documented the power of the sword. So let me preface this. He's a historian. He's not a believer. He's not trying to, to prove out the fulfillment of the seal judgments. Okay. But look at his words. The power of the sword had begun his reign. We just saw that Messiah was foretelling a great sword. So he's pointing to that and he's telling us that military rule was supreme. So after the tyranny of Commodus, the civil wars occasioned by his death, new policies increased the power of the army and, you know, obliterated the laws and the liberty that was oppressed upon the minds of the Romans. And this internal change undermined the foundations of the empire. Gibbon continues, the giving of the sword. So these are his words. It's amazing. 
The giving of the sword was fulfilled when Commodus exalted Herennus to practically despotic authority as captain of the Praetorian Guard. So in other words, he's empowering the military. And they're supposed to represent the empire, but by transferring the supremacy to the army and giving them power, it upended the whole empire. So he's saying that the emperor increased the number of guards to 50,000 and he doubled their pay. So he's making them a very great sword and they're all vying for power. They're all trying to take control of the kingdom, which led to all the emperors being killed. So he introduced this new policy, which led to revolution and bloodshed. So the Red Horse was a bloody time of civil war during which the emperors were killed by the sword. Okay, next is the Black Horse on the third seal. It says, and when he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the forest of beasts, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The black horse represents the despair and gloom of the Roman people as they were taxed excessively to pay for all the wars, which caused major economic depression. So as you can see on this coin, and this is a Roman coin, there's a pair of scales. It's representing their justice and their commerce. So Messiah just pointed to scales, right? He's pointed to the economy. And there you see it on the Roman coin. As the taxes increased, the burden got heavier on the people. They were ground down and they suffered as the economy declined. The denarius of Emperor Tiberius was referred to as the tribute penny, which represented the laborer's daily wages. So a shortage of coins to pay for all the taxes may have led to the government receiving tax payments with food products. So if citizens couldn't pay in coinage, they were allowed to pay with the equivalent of wheat, barley, wine, and oil. So to hurt not the oil and wine means to not be unjust to them. In other words, let the taxation be fair as compared to the prices of wheat and barley instead of raising the prices of oil and wine, which are higher value goods even more. One of the emperors, Caracalla, gave non-citizens in the Roman Empire the name and privilege of being a Roman citizen. Now, this wasn't out of generosity, but it was out of greed because when he made him a Roman citizen, he could tax him more. So now everybody in the kingdom, even those that were not citizens, are now citizens and everybody's being taxed heavily and it's bringing on ruin. Fines and confiscations, when you didn't pay your fines, ruined wealthy families. So taxes on farming land were levied, the flocks and the herds of ranchers were numbered and taxed, and the agricultural industry was ruined under this heavy taxation. Farmers stopped growing food because of the taxes that ranchers stopped raising animals. And also, barbarians were starting to invade territories of the Roman Empire. So farmers, as a result of all this, farmers moved into the cities to get jobs and to have protection. Does this sound familiar? We America used to be a society of, right, farmers, ranchers, and we've all moved into the city. So the industry of the people in the Roman Empire waned as there was no incentive to produce goods and food which were just going to be taxed so heavily. So there was no incentive, so they stopped doing it. So the black horse of the third seal points to oppressive taxation, which caused farmers and ranchers to stop producing. This pushed the Roman Empire into a time of famine and pestilence, which is the topic of the fourth seal. So Revelation 6, 8, and I looked and behold, the pale horse and his name that said on him was death and hell followed with him. 
and power is given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. The pale horse represents an era of death in the Roman Empire from 250 to 300 AD. Now, when, it, when it's talking about the land and the earth and all that, you just have to remember, and I've covered this in other videos, the Roman Empire is the land and earth of the vision. Right? So the pale horse rode, the Roman Empire crumbled into a most dreadful state of disorder and chaos where their society had almost completely broken down. The pale horse of the four seal points to a time when the Roman Empire suffered from famine, pestilence, and wild beast attack. So Messiah is talking about one fourth of the Roman Empire's population dying, not one quarter of the whole earth, every country in the earth. Just have to be clear about what is the land of prophecy. And the Roman Empire's calamity, it was blamed on Messiah's followers, so as they didn't bow down to the Roman pagan gods. And this served to increase persecution of Messiah's saints by the Roman emperors. And that takes us to the fifth seal, which is about the martyrs of the Roman Empire. So Revelation 6, 9-10 says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Pointing to the Roman emperors who had persecuted them. Right? So that's exactly who they're pointing to. They had been killed uh, in the Colosseums. They had been killed, you know, set on fire, all sorts of horrible things that they faced. So the fifth seal represents the millions of martyrs who were killed by the Roman Empire. As Satan used the emperors to try to wipe out Messiah's assembly of saints. They endured 10 persecution periods, starting with Emperor Nero, who, is, who blamed them for the fire in Rome to justify killing them. So different emperors, Maximinus and Galenius, were both great butchers, both to their own subjects that were heathens and to the saint. Galenius is said to have killed three to 4,000 people every day. But the most terrible, most prolonged persecution in the history of the assembly of the saints occurred during the 10th persecution. As Diocletian and Maxinius sought to root out Messiah's Ecclesia from the very face of the earth during the 10 years of 303 to 313. Now let's relate this to Revelation 12, which is about Satan using the pagan Roman Empire to try to wipe out Messiah's saints. If you look at the Revelation fulfillment chart, and you can stop the video, I, I provided the link in the description. You want to print that out as you go through the series of videos. You see that the fifth seal took place when the Roman emperors were in power. The victors are declared to have overcome, not by sword or spear, as in a carnal conflict, but by spiritual weapons. The martyrs who were killed by the Roman Empire did not deny their Messiah to preserve their lives. Rather, they honored him with the words of their testimony before the persecuting Romans. So now let's connect the fifth seal with the Smyrna church era. Smyrna's name comes from the word myrrh, a tree, resin, with a bitter taste that was crushed and used in perfume, incense, and as a preservative and burial. It's a symbol of death, which is appropriate for this church era. Messiah pointed to ten days, ten prophetic years, that they would face death. And he said, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and you, ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life." So Messiah only had words of encouragement and comfort in her sufferings at the hand of the persecutors. Their blood was crying out symbolically, crying out for him to avenge their deaths. And vengeance came soon as the trumpet judgments were poured out on the pagan Roman Empire. So when you look at the Revelation fulfillment chart, the Smyrna church era 
faced harsh persecution for 10 years from 303 to 312. That's when it effectively ended. Um, and the fifth seal is describing the martyrs crying out for vengeance. So you see the perfect synchronicity of the four chronological layers of Messiah's apocalyptic vision. And you see how amazing it is, how they line up. That's why it helps to see them on a chart, because you see what's going on. Who's in control? It's the emperors. On the bottom, you see the church era of Smyrna. You see the fifth seal. You see it all line up. Interestingly, there's a connection to the normal gestation period for a human, 280 days. So if we count from the holy feast day at Pentecost, when the spirit was poured out on the saints, we see that 280 years, so using the one day equals one year principle, 280 years later is 312 AD. So we're spanning from the first century, right? When uh, during Pentecost and the spirit was given and we span all the way to 312 during the 10 persecution periods that the saints faced. And now we're thinking about Revelation 12, and it said that she's going to be birthed out through much pain. So the most painful part happened at the end, in the last part of those 280 years, when the saints travailed and were pained the most from 303 to 312. So indeed, Messiah's kingdom of saints was birthed with much pain, fulfilling Revelation 12, 2. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. The she is the Messiah's ecclesia. It's Messiah's church. That's the she being birthed out through much pain, much pain from the Roman emperors who were persecuting them, which stopped in 313 AD with the command of Emperor Constantine. The white horse of the first seal points both to the conquering Roman Empire and Messiah gaining victory over the Satan-empowered Roman beast kingdom through the witness of his saints of his kingdom. Right? So you have two kingdoms going forth, Roman, Satan-empowered Roman beast kingdom and Messiah's kingdom going side by side right? And they're battling against each other. And there's this story that I share in the book, and it's of George of Lydda. And it gives us a perfect example of victory over Satan. His father served in the Roman army, and George also served as a soldier. He became a Praetorian guard for Roman Emperor Diocletian. And George was a follower of Messiah. And when Diocletian found out about his faith, he was sentenced to torture and eventually death for refusing to recant his faith. Diocletian's wife, Empress Alexandria of Rome, witnessed George's torture, and she bowed before him and professed her faith in Messiah openly. When she questioned whether she was worthy of paradise and martyrdom without being baptized, George told her, Do not fear, for your blood will baptize you. Wow, that's an amazing statement. Now, Diocletian was so outraged by her conversion, he is said to have uttered, what? Even thou hast fallen under their spell? And she was denounced by Diocletian and sentenced to death. I mean, what faith, right? So think about that witness of George of, of Lydda. She believed, even though she's the wife of Emperor Diocletian, and she faced death for her conversion, for her belief. George of Lydda was tortured for an extended period as Diocletian was taking out his anger about Alexandra's faith profession. And then he was executed by decapitation on the city wall to warn others of their fate if they follow Messiah. And that happened in 303. So now you understand why Diocletian was so emotionally charged with carrying out this mandate, right? His wife converted. He was furious and he was going to take that out on the saints. And that's starting the 10th persecution period, which is lining up with the fifth seal, the church era of Smyrna. So recall how Messiah's saints gained victory over the persecution, so over, their, over the enemy. It says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. 
So George of Lydda is called St. George for his heroic stance against the pagan Roman emperor in defense of his faith. And paintings have him on a white horse. Go figure, right? He's on a white horse. You can't even make this up. He's on a white horse and it's representing his victory. So first seal, what's going on? You got the white horse. You got Messiah saints going out and proclaiming the gospel in the kingdom. And I'll show you a picture of St. George of him on the white horse, which represents his victory. And he's piercing a dragon. So here's, here's the picture. And you can search for this and you'll find a bigger picture. But look what's going on. There's George and he's on a white horse and he's got a spear and he's stabbing the dragon. And it's the dragon of the... Roman beast kingdom of Revelation 12. That's exactly what it describes a dragon. And here he is killing the dragon. He's getting victory over the dragon. He was killed, but he got victory. So it makes sense. So he loved not, not his life under the death. He wasn't going to deny it as Messiah. He died a martyr and he got victory over the enemy. And look who's looking on. You, you see, she's looking on at his victory and she's in awe of it. And she believed in Messiah and she was saved and she died for her faith too. It's an amazing, amazing story. Gotta love pictures, how they can show you the fulfillment of Revelation. So St. George's martyrdom for the faith, along with the other Smyrna martyrs, cast Satan down from power. And this is how we win the battle. So sometimes we think, oh, we're going to be persecuted and we're going to be killed. And that's victory for the enemy. But it's quite the opposite. When the world witnesses your faith, that you won't give it up, that you absolutely believe in, you're willing to die for your Messiah, that is a powerful witness and that's a victory over the enemy. So hope that helps you see the, the fulfillment. Like I said, on the Revelation timeline decoded, you can go through the study list. There's other videos that go through more detail and a verse-by-verse -verse explanation and stuff. Just want to give you the big picture. Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.